Good morning, everyone. Happy 4th of July, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Today, we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) Excuse me. We are in the chapter, Working with Others, and we are on page 91, the second paragraph, starting with when your man is better, ending in he may be more receptive when depressed, unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you to Team Tuesday, Crystal P, Rachel P, Danny, I forgot her initial, Esther F, our newcomer greeter, Karen W, and the host for the second unrecorded hour, Jean B. OA Preamble. Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the reference numbers for yesterday. The reference numbers for yesterday, July 3rd, 7 a.m., is 20,406. That's 20406. For the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday is 20,407. That's 20407. Okay, OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Danny to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Danny, and give me the initial of your last name, please. Danny, press star one. Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. I'm Danny P, as in Peter. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, only by the grace and the mercy of God. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact, nature's, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought for prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you so much, Danny Z, for jumping in. Greatly appreciate you. I will now ask for Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related uh, facility of that, uh, or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther. All right, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. 
To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book. We are in the chapter Working with Others. We are on page 91, the second paragraph, reading that one paragraph only. And I'm going to ask Crystal P. to get us started. Go ahead, Crystal. Grab the mic, girl. Morning, Amy. When your man is better, the doctor might suggest a visit from you. Though you have talked with the family, leave them out of the first discussion. Under these conditions, your prospect will see he is under no pressure. He will feel he can deal with you without being nagged by his family. Call on him while he is still jittery. He may be more receptive when depressed. Good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. I was just thinking back to when I first joined program. One of the most annoying things was that I just I just got the sense like my sponsors didn't really care. Like there was there wasn't a there wasn't any uh, pressure from them at all. So there was no um, there was no sort of uh, teeth in the game. You know, like if it was almost like that, like whatever I did, there was no pat on the back, and there was no disappointment and hurt if I didn't do something. And it was so annoying because I wanted that drama from them. Because the moment they did that, the moment they put pressure on me, I could then say, oh, you know, I had someone to blame for why I wasn't recovering. Oh, my sponsor's, you know, putting pressure on me or, you know, she's um, it's just just to create that kind of drama, you know. And um, all I got from them was just a simple message of this is what it took for me to recover. Here's here's the toolkit. If you choose, it's available to you. And if you don't, no problem. You know, we just... Um, I need to go work with somebody who, who actually wants to, wants to do this. And um, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that they, that they just offered me uh, the option because what I realized is my sponsors treated me like an adult when I was acting like a child. I wanted the pat on the back. I wanted the drama. But instead it was, here's the recovery. You are fully capable of doing these things. If you'd like to, go ahead and do them. You know, if not, that's okay. Come back when you're ready. And I'm really grateful for that because the moment I smell any, any kind of what, what I would, what I thought was nagging, um, I, I would use that in, as an excuse to not recover. And I'm also, I also realized how important it was for me to be jittery for me to, and, and just because I find that like, I was in such a delusion, like I was, it was like, I was living in a totally different reality where I had no idea that. There was this horrible disease that was killing me. And so something had to crack through that delusion before I could hear anybody's voice. And I remember this one day when it really sort of sunk in that, you know, um, oh my gosh, like this is going to kill me. And there's nothing I can do about it because the disease is in my mind and it can read my mind. You know, that I think when that really sat, sank in, I remember I was at a meeting and somebody said, you know, when an alcoholic picks up alcohol, they could get into a car that night and die. But when a compulsive overeater picks up the cheesecake, they may not die that night, but they may never put down the cheesecake again. And when I don't know why, but that just really hit me. And in that moment of jitteriness, I remember I left that meeting and I had to get down to my train. And the whole way, I remember praying and saying, God, please help me not forget this moment. Please help me not forget what 
what I realized in that meeting because I just knew it. It like the, I have like a moment of lucidity before it all just kind of the delusion just comes back in. And the whole time I prayed, and I remember February the sixth as that day that that happened. Thank you for letting me share your thoughts. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Crystal, for getting us started. Okay, although we um, so appreciate your experience, strength, and hope, if you have shared in the last couple of days, namely Monday or Friday, we ask that you step aside and let others share their experience, strength, and hope, too. So who would like to share on what was read on page 91, second paragraph? Janet Bay. Janet? Elena C. Elena. Anyone else? Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Nancy P. Nancy. Shelly B. from Minnesota. Shelly B. Anyone else? Christy in Tennessee. Christy. Lou B. Lou B. Christina J. Christina J. All right. I think we got a good group going here. We have a great group going here. Janet B. Elena C. Nancy P. Shelly B. Christy. Ruby and Christina J. All right. Go ahead, Janet. You are up. Hi. Good morning, Amy. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. So I'm just looking at that last line. He may be more receptive when depressed. And I have a note in my book that says, don't give false hope. Like, don't make someone try to be not depressed. In fact, this is probably one of the only times we'll see in all literature when they're saying depression is a good thing. And um, that was me. I was depressed. I had been in Overeaters Anonymous for six or seven years, and I could not put the food down. And people would say stuff to me at meetings like, um, don't worry, it'll get better. And they were well-intentioned, but they were wrong because it didn't get better. Um, Over the course of six or seven years, it got worse. My binges got closer together more food, I was bulimic, so I started throwing up even more. Um, It didn't get better. So false hope was the worst thing that could happen. Um, But I was receptive because I was desperate. Um, But hope that just keep coming and it will get better was not the right kind of hope. Because let's say I was a diabetic and I went to Diabetics Anonymous meetings and people said, oh, we're really glad you're here. Um, it just keep coming, it'll get better. Well, of course it wouldn't. If I didn't learn about the insulin and how to inject it, I wouldn't get better just by being at Diabetics Anonymous meetings. I might feel better because I wouldn't be lonely anymore, but my disease would keep going. So finally, finally, someone carried the real message to me, not just keep coming, it'll get better, or... Um, you know, just take what you want and leave the rest or any of those messages. But the message on page 45, which I think is really it, lack of power, that was my dilemma. 
It wasn't lack of desire. It wasn't lack of a good moral code. It wasn't lack of a good food plan. It was lack of power. And then it tells me what I needed to do to get better. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, God, a power greater than myself. And then it tells me that's exactly what this book is about. The main object of this book enabled, is to enable me to find that power which will solve my problem. So that means this power has to be smart because I have two master's degrees, couldn't figure out how to solve my problem. Um, this power must be strong because this illness was stronger than me. So this power had to be stronger than the illness. And if this power was going to solve my problem, then this power must care about me, about me, Janet, personally. What a great antidote to depression, right? To feeling depressed. That the creator of the universe who flung the stars in the sky and decided where the planets would go cared enough about me to solve my food problem. And all I had to do was have a little faith to believe this, to surrender to this power, to clear away the wreckage of my past and help others. And then um, I'm no longer sitting in meetings, hopeless. I'm sitting in meetings trying to give hope to the people who still suffer because there is a real solution. And that's surrendering to a loving, loving power greater than ourselves who has promised to solve my problem, our problems. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janet B. from New Jersey. All right. Elena C., you are up. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. My name is Elena C. from South Carolina. I spell my name E-L-E-N-A. Happy 4th of July to all my Americans out there. Um, so I, um, the first part of this paragraph talks about leaving the family aside. Um, and to me, it means that um, that I need to, when I have a sponsee, my focus is on the sponsee first and foremost, although addiction is a family disease disease, alcoholism, addiction, all sorts of addiction, compulsive overeating, in my experience, a family disease. But in recovery, I am the focus on recovery, of course, because I need to find my spirituality, the God of my understanding. And my sponsee is the focus of mom, not the family. Now, they did work with the family back then, and I get that. Another thing um, that struck to me was when he will feel he can deal with you without being nagged by his family. Um, then, so, so the thing is, there's the thing, you know, sometimes family will interfere in, in my addiction, in my recovery. It's not going to work. So that's a good reminder as well. In the last sentence, he may be more receptive when depressed, you know. It talks to me about the gift of desperation, the gift of desperation. And, you know, what that means is that I needed to suffer. Suffering is what got me motivated to recover, to make that phone, the first phone call to someone, to attend my first vision phone meeting, 
the suffering, the gift of desperation, you know. And I am so grateful today that I could understand that in every struggle, every challenge, there is a gift. There's a gift. And in my recovery, all I need to do is ask my higher power to direct my attention on those gifts and not swallow in self-pity. You know, recovery in here does not mean that I am only abstinent. It means that I have a spiritual condition, a spiritual malady that only a higher power can conquer. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Elena C. from South Carolina. All right. Nancy P., you are up, followed by Shelly B. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you. Um, Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you, Amy. Um, so I love the lead share, and I loved, uh, I loved it because it's sort of how I sponsor and how I was sponsored. My sponsor was sort of, um, she wasn't that interested in me. She was interested in the message. And, you know, I get a lot of calls to, for sponsoring. I um, I do sponsor people always, always. I'm, I have a, sponsee, a couple of sponsees, and I make a lot of phone calls, and I work with people all the time in one form or another, sponsoring and phone calls and 10 steps and going over a chapter, anything, that anywhere, any place where I can be helpful, I try to be available. Um, and I tell my sponsees all the time that I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a retirement advisor, any of that stuff. My only job is to bear witness that it will work. And when I first, when I approached my own sponsor to help me, I had been decades in the program without having any um, relief from the from the obsession. And and my text to her, because you can, you know, no calls, just text, was, if you help me, I will do anything you say. And um, I will do anything you say, no matter what. And when she told me that her availability was uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights at 9.30 p.m., I said, I'll take it, which it actually happened to be perfect because that was when I was free of, you know, cleaning up after dinner and all my other chores. But if she had said, I'm free at 2 in the morning, I would have taken that because I was just so helpless and so miserable. And she never said, do you know do this and you'll feel better all that she did was carry the message and um you know i say to people outright you know in in words i say them i say it out loud to them it doesn't matter to me if you eat it matters to you if you eat i want my sponsees to be vested in their own recovery because if they eat it doesn't hurt me it hurts them and um you know i get a lot of um i'm lucky that people think that I have something to say and they want to work with me, but I get fired all the time. They don't want to do it anymore. And I always say the same thing. I totally understand. Best of luck and feel free to call me anytime. And I, and I mean it. But the only way that I could, that Nancy P was going to get better is if I did whatever I was told immediately and as hard as I could. And um, the reason I know that it works is because what else would explain the fact that one day I was sobbing in my car having just eaten a dozen donuts on November 30th and December 1st, and since that day of 2017, I have not had to hurt myself with food, not one bite. What else besides that? And um, I, I would say to anybody who's in the food or who's 
I'm happy or, you know, whatever, however you feel if you just can't get away from this monkey on your back. My experience is, in fact, you're not that far away from where you need to be. It all depends on one thing. Say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nancy B. from Massachusetts. Okay, Shelly B., please go ahead. This is Shelly B. from Edina, Minnesota. I was thinking a lot what each person said when was talking about delusions. Well, I have healthy delusions to help people and reach out to people like I didn't do growing up at all. And listen to my higher power, which I have all day long talking to me, helping me, guiding me. Uh, and when I falter a lot and I, I feel nervous, Maybe I don't treat somebody as nice as I should, or maybe I talk too much about negative things. And I I don't care what people think, but I, I listen to the radio or the television or read something or see something outside of myself, and it kind of guides me. I try to be a tool. I never was a tool that well till the pandemic mostly more of a tool and um to help people and myself of course as far as talking to someone um about the message oh my sponsor by the way she's a good sponsor she's very supportive and gives me advice when she sees I'm off kilter and uh so that helps me a lot, and um, okay. Uh, what else? Um, getting into the literature. I'm gonna read all the big books today. Okay, am I done? I thought I heard something. Um, uh, done whenever you uh, you still have some time, or you. Can I'm trying. I have told. Sorry, I have told members of my family about OA, and they want nothing to do with it, so I'm trying to leave them alone, and I have been. As far as friends, I have a support group on Sundays. This one lady I'm really trying to get to know her a lot better. And uh, that's something new. This pandemic, usually I was afraid to get to know people, and I don't know why completely. I think it was my... Well, it's not. It, is, it sounds like a bad word, but the people aren't bad. Schizophrenia, intimidated way too much because of my sensitivity. But yes, that the program, and I like listening in, huh? I said that is time now, though, Shelley. Okay, anyways, I'm listening and putting the reins on myself. So thank you for thank you for having this service. Thank you, Shelley, from Minnesota. You're up. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your service, and thank you for the uh, meeting, and uh, especially thank you, Crystal, for the opening uh, share. My name is Chris G. I spell it with a K, and I live in Tennessee. And um, I, I was really struck with the uh, words in this paragraph. Uh, the the idea that uh, somebody is uh, more receptive when depressed. And I've seen so many people uh, show up at their first um, 
uh, face-to-face meeting and cry and cry and cry. And, um, and, and, and that's, you know, they apologize for crying. And I say, oh, no, no, crying's good. Crying's good. It means you're ready. And, um, but, uh, I, but also, I, I was seeing the words in this paragraph, like, like these conditions, your prospect will see he's under no pressure. And, and the, the idea of nagging. And I think, um, I think I have been a nag to my uh, family and, and I have a tendency to want to nag uh, uh, people. And so I, I'm so glad that I don't do that with my sponsees. And, um, and, and I, I know my, my, my youngest daughter wants her privacy. And so she doesn't tell me everything that goes through her head because her privacy is important to her. And I have to respect that. So it is about respecting uh, the people around us, and and sometimes um, sometimes I I don't do a very good job of respecting uh, people, and they sure do appreciate it. And and I have these uh, uh and you know this the 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 idea of wanting to be appreciated and not getting to be appreciated enough, and that's sort of um, uh, oh, all in my head. You know, I'm I, I'm fine. Everybody thinks I'm fine. But if I think, oh, I'm not getting enough, that, that's, that's part of the disease. And so I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris G. from Tennessee. All righty, Lou B., you're up, followed by Christina J., and then we're going to take some more names. And just a friendly reminder, if some of you got on a little bit later, we are on page 91. We are on the second paragraph, unpacking that one paragraph only. All right. Lou B, you're up. Please go ahead. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, everyone. This is Lou B. I live in Texas, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, so this idea of him not being under pressure, you know, uh, so many people, well, not so many, but a couple of people have shared very eloquently about this idea that, you know, it's really, I, I put, I try not to put any pressure on the people that I work with because it's not about me. It's about them and their higher power. And um, I know I spent a lot of time in the rooms and with sponsors relying on the sponsor um, and feeling pressure from my sponsor, you know. Um, and um, and then when I when I put myself in a position where I'm uh, allowing myself to feel pressure from a person – then the shame and guilt that come in um, ugh, are pretty indescribable because then I feel, and when I, when I also rely on a person and I fall off the wagon or have a relapse, um, I, I have the, the shame and remorse and loneliness is really what I was going to say, the loneliness and isolation and, and just, yeah, are, are, are really, really overwhelming. But, um, you know, when I realize that my recovery is between me and my higher power, then, it, you know, the pressure's off, if you will, you know. And for me, that's really how I, I do best in the program because it is about, it is about me and my higher power. And my relationship with my higher power is, there's no pressure, you know. It's a, it's a, a I really believe that abstinence is this strange mystery between a gift from God that also requires my cooperation through the actions that I take each day to, you know, to stay, to stay, um, to stay recovered. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's a relationship of, of love and support and, um, yeah, and abundance, you know. And, uh, so, so yeah, uh, and my family is interesting. My mother has my disease, and and she, years ago, I told her that I was in another twelve step program, but I've never, and I've been in the, I've been in LA for a long time, but I've never talked to her about it. Uh, she's the person who told me about OA, <laughs> you know, about I don't know ten or fifteen years before I got to the rooms, but I've, I I would. I would feel a lot of pressure um, if if my family family knew about it. And I know this 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 paragraph's not talking about pressure from. Well, that is talking about pressure. It, the pressure is coming from the family, isn't it? Yeah, because it's saying that he wouldn't uh, without being nagged. You know, he's not under no pressure. So it, it's from their family. So of his family, I mean. So yeah, I mean, I, I would not like it if my family knew that that I was in this 12-step program because that kind of pressure would not be healthy for me. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate it. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. Lou B. from Texas. Alrighty, Christina J. And then we're going to take some more names. Go ahead, Christina. Morning, Amy. Morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of North Carolina. Recovering. Um, he will feel he can deal with you without being nagged by his family. So I think back about that. My uh, first husband didn't like my weight gain. And he withdrew from me, said mean things. He was uh, an emotional and mentally ab- abusive person. Uh, won't get into that. But um, he would nag at me about my weight and say really indirect mean things and look at me really strange. And I, that made me depressed, made me nervous, made me feel unacceptable, pushed all my buttons of wanting to be loved and appreciated and validated. Um, so I ate and, you know, I think about depression, um, it's double edged sword because when I'm depressed and jittery, what do I want to do? I want to eat. So, you know, and I've said this many, many times, there's two doors, and I didn't know about the second door for a long time, and the second door is uh, Overeaters Anonymous, where I can walk through and find God. Uh, but it's up to me to do the walking. You know, he's there waiting, the light is on. Um, so, you know, I never got, I never told anybody about my disease, it was always under the covers. So when I got with my second husband, because I finally left that abusive relationship, and um, he loved me no matter what. He didn't care. My third husband didn't care. I was still ashamed and embarrassed, but they didn't care. And what did that do? That opened the door for me to do this for myself. I'm not doing it for anybody else, even though I thought if I got skinny, they'd love me better. But I went all over the place with my weight with both husbands. God bless them. Because they love me, got me out of it, helped get me out of that shame. And who is that loving them through me? Through who is that loving me through them? That's God. He's saying, "Come on, honey, you can be loved, even if you're fat, and disgusting, and bloated." And I hate to say that because I'm not saying it against anyone else. I felt fat, bloated, and disgusted, and I hurt. I hurt. I don't know how these people are walking around today, no matter if they're an overeater or not. 30 pounds overweight, and I'm miserable. 20 pounds overweight, and I'm miserable. So God bless them. 
And I know he is. He's got everybody on this path. But I think of the family. My mother is an overeater. We, she don't want to talk about it. I've talked to her, told her I was. I, you know, shared some things with her, but she's not interested. And I know she is. I know she's an overeater. Um, so I would never, you know, the family just wasn't interested in having any discussion with the doctor. There was no doctor. I'm the one that told my second husband and my third husband about the doctor making suggestions. And I told them about OA and what I was trying to do. And they were very supportive. But it is true, this last line, you know, the more depressed you get, the more jittery, the more miserable. You don't want to live that way anymore. And you somehow step across the line and start working towards the other side. God bless everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Christina J. from North Carolina. Okay. So, again, we're on page 91, the second paragraph. Who else would like to share on what was read? Yvonne V. I'm sorry, who? I missed your name. I got the V, but I didn't get the first part. Yvonne V. Oh, Yvonne. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. Lisa C. Yvonne. Melissa C. Lisa C. Devorah S. Lisa C. Devorah. Okay, anyone else? Sarah G. Sarah G. Okay, get it one more in. Elizabeth B. Elizabeth. Okay, sounds good. Let's get going with that. Another great group. Yvonne, please go ahead. Yvonne D, please go ahead. Hi, Um. thank you. Um. I've been uh, in the program for about um, three weeks now. Um, this particular passage actually bought a, um, brought up a, a, a Yvonne, bad where memory. Where are you from? I'm sorry, I'm from Maryland. Okay, thanks. Please go ahead. All right. Um, so this particular paragraph um, brought up a uh, probably a, a bad memory that I'm probably going to have to journal later. But I see this pag- paragraph as a means of um, how to establish a relationship and how to establish um, a, a relationship of of trust um, in dealing with it being nagged by the, by the family. My my negative memory um, is family dinners, um, which happen about every month month and a half. And my dad is very brutally honest. And as we were um, eating dinner, he. You know, I'm picking, you know, grabbing food, and, and he looks at me and he says, should you really be eating that? And um, that induced such a feeling of, of shame. And 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 um, th- this particular sentence, it says, call on him while he's still jittery. You know, I guess maybe for me, um, some if somebody had called on me, um, and it was family dinner, we didn't do outsiders, but, you know, calling him while he's still, you know, in a sense of shame and and guilt about what had just happened. And I would have definitely been more receptive. And I I see that from a sponsor or a a, sponsor's perspective, that it's not calling him when he's depressed or shamed to join the club, but to see there's a lot of pain um, going on there. And, um, 
and for somebody to have listened to my pain, I would have been on on board much sooner than than the thirty years I, I have been away. Um, and thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Yvonne Z from Maryland. Okay, fellow Marylander. All righty, Lisa C, you're up. Please go ahead, followed by Devorah S. Hi, good morning. This is Lisa C. I'm from New Jersey. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm currently in Pennsylvania. Um, before I even share, I just want to quickly um, pray to my higher power that I handle this share with um, grace and his love and guidance so that I will not feel anxious or jittery after sharing, which I often do. Um, thank you, God. Uh, so I wanted to share because in this paragraph, you know, I'm just reminded of the family pressures and as many fellows have shared, that this is a family disease and that I have so many family members who have thrived off of my company in this disease um, or who are, you know, uh, sort of either cheering me on at times, um, you know, um, wanting me to succeed, which is pressure, of course. Um, but then I'm still watching those family members, like, you know, kind of uh, thinning out in their own addictions. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think that um, it's, it's really sad to me recently, you know, I realized that, you know, my kids, they often want to look at pictures. I have three kids and they're, you know, uh, 12, 9, and 7, and they often want to look at pictures from when they were babies. And what I realized is that when they ask me to go through my phone and look at pictures from like the past 12 years, <laughs> it's like um, all I can see is that I was just up and down and up and down. And it's, 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 it's too much. And I finally said, I said, you know what, I'm going to make you little baby books maybe, but you have to stop asking me because my answer is no right now. Um, because I can see that I was just on this roller coaster. And so when it comes to family, what I think about also is how, you know, they were always, everyone's always curious about how I was losing the weight, um, you know, and willing to sort of try anything. But once this became my solution, that willingness kind of shifted and the interest um, kind of fell off. Um, and that's, that's fine. Um, you know, God is, God is for everyone. God is limitless. And, um, and, and that is the, that is the program, you know, um, so, so, you know, I'll take it like they, they know, they know, and they can come to me if they want. Um, but I think that learning to manage the family piece, um, was one of the most challenging aspects in the early days for me. Um, you know, and so I would always think even before I reached a recovered state, like, how can I manage this? Oh, I can go do the dishes. I can clear the table. I can go play with the kids. I can take the dogs for a walk right after eating my one plate of food, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, this just brought up a lot of things for me. I hope that was helpful to somebody. And um, I thank God for um, carrying me through. Um, have a great 4th of July, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa C. from New Jersey. Devorah S., you're up. Please go ahead, followed by Sarah G. Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Amy, and everyone on the line to make this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm recovered from New Jersey. <clears throat> thank you, God. Um, so, yeah, this paragraph, you know, it just brings to mind as in so many great messages I'm hearing. You know, I just remember as a child, I, I, I was born with this disease. I was a, 
you know, a lot of times you hear people say, I look at pictures that I really wasn't that fat. I, I look at pictures and I was really an overweight kid. I mean, when I went to the doctor, the doctor was always talking about losing weight. And it was like an undercurrent conversation always going on with my parents. What are we going to do? How are we going to, what can we do for Devora? Like, what can we do? It was always that thing. And I remember my mother, we were on vacation and my mother says to me, you know, this was after my father passed away at a young age, not from, not from this disease. He was, he, he was sick with something else. And, she, and my mother said to me, you know, we lost someone already. I'm so scared. I don't want to lose you too. And, you know, it went in and went out. And I, was, and I, I myself was married already with my own children and gained a tremendous amount of weight after each pregnancy. And it didn't matter. It didn't help. Any of these pep talks, and it was with love and, and concern that I had these talks. And the only thing that really brought me to my knees was that surrender, that, 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 that desperation um, that, you know, I'm killing myself day by day, a day. I was just killing myself with the food. And I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And, you know, so I coming into these rooms and, and, and becoming abstinent and putting down the trigger foods for me, you know, that was, that was, that was the answer. I'm working the program. And now fast forward, I have my own children who are struggling with this problem struggling with this disease and you know I don't I don't I, I I pray for them I just pray for them you know I don't give any pep talks I don't do anything I'm just full of love and I'm, and I wonder like maybe they think I don't care about them maybe they're waiting to hear a message from me like what my mother used to say to me I don't know I don't know the answer but I I do know that I I I, I just pray I pray that they find their way and I think that's the only thing I can do um, I love them. I treat them with love and respect and, and courtesy when I see them. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the bottom line. I wish them well. So, you know, um, what can I say? I'm just so grateful um, for the tools that we have here in this program and the, the steps that, that bring us closer to God. And, um, and that, for me, is the answer. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Delora S. from New Jersey. Sarah G., you're up, followed by Elizabeth C. Hi, I'm Sarah G., also a Jersey girl. Um, loved listening to these Jersey girls and all of you. I also really like the way um, Lisa said that she prayed to God beforehand. Take a second, um, because I also always feel bad when I get off, like, what did I sound like, what did I do? So... God willing, this should go well. Um, I um, I remember, like, ever since I was, I also lost my father when I was very little. And I remember going to my aunt's house. Um, we moved out there after we sold the house. And we were all just standing. I was probably, like, eight years old. And we were all just standing in the kitchen. And people, I guess, were gnashing on things. And I took some cottage cheese and I opened it up, and I ate the container of cottage cheese. And my aunt looked at me and said, you just ate a whole container of cottage cheese. Nobody does that. And I'm like, oh. And she said, never eat a whole container of cottage cheese. And I remember from then on, I'll eat a whole cake before I eat a whole container of cottage cheese again. Like, the shame uh, I I felt with that. Um, And now... um, 
as I, or after I grew up and had kids, I, um, I also would, went up and down in my weight, and and a lot of my children also have a lot of this um, eating issues as well. And my children, well, first of all, adults, people would comment on them that they're too fat, they're eating too much, they shouldn't. And um, other family members within our family would also comment on their weight. And um, like someone else said, when they, as they got older, they would go on diets and people would cheer them on and then they would do, you know, they would do Atkins and this and become really thin and then they would lose it and then they would gain it all back. And it was really, really hard for them. And um, when I joined this program, I joined, one of the reasons I joined was because I wanted to be a good example for my children. And um, now it's, it's it's not for that. It's for me and the gifts that come with this program of getting closer to your higher power um, have been amazing. And the people who have shown me how to do that have been amazing. And um, when I've spoken about my children, they just say, just show them what good looks like. And that's what I try to do. I'm just trying to show them what good looks like. I love each one of them, and I'm proud of them, and I need to be proud of each one of them because they deserve that, and they're precious gifts from God. And um, thank you all for listening, and with that, I'll pass. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Sarah G. from New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey in the house today. All right, Elizabeth V, you're up. Please go ahead, and we'll take a, might have room for another name or two. So please go ahead, Elizabeth. Good morning. Hi. Thank you, Amy, for the meeting, and happy 4th of July. My name is Elizabeth B. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Um, this this paragraph speaks very um, close to my heart this morning. Um, I have not been recovered for a very long time, um, in a, 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 only about five and a half months. So I remember very, very clearly um, how I felt jittery when I first approached the person who I asked to sponsor me. Um, I was depressed and incredibly jittery. I was scared to death. I had recently binged and purged, and which is an, a manifestation of my um, eating disorder, um, a chronic bulimic for most of my life. Um, and after a period of, of time, um, I had gone back to that behavior. And I called this person to sponsor me, and I was willing to do anything, anything to get out of that misery and that depression and that fear and the, the drama of my disease. So when, when, I, when my sponsor shared her story and I heard her story, I recognized myself in that. And the lengths that I had to do and have to do in order to arrest or you know, put this disease into remission are great lengths because I am a real compulsive overeater and this disease is killing me. And... Um, the that willingness as only the dying can can have is that open ears, those open minds, that honest and that willingness to to go to any length. 
it had to be in that moment. And I think grace of God came in and put this person in my life. And I, I will share this, that five and a half months later, um, here recently, a couple of days ago, I thought, oh, I've got this thing. I'm going to take the training wheels off. I can do this without doing this piece of, of what I was doing. And within two or three days, the jitters returned, the fear and depression, and that sense of being all alone in the world with just um, me and my my mind, my will, um, scared me right, scared me to death. And I have become once again willing to do whatever it takes to um, keep this disease in remission. Um, because I do know that I am not cured of this disease. I will have it for the rest of my life because it's the way I think. It is the way I think about the world. It's the way I think about myself and about people. And as an adult child who grew up in an alcoholic home, um, my, you know, having a sponsor or, you know, an authority figure tell me what to do, what I've realized is that it's not the sponsor that's telling us this program is laid out in this way because of experience. And if I make oops, my time, if I make it about the sponsor, I, I've missed the point. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Elizabeth B. from North Carolina. Okay, we have time for one more share, two-minute share. Who would like to take it? Erin Kay. Erin. It's you. Please go ahead. Hey, everybody. Erin Kay um, in Michigan, recovering um, from relapse, 90 days almost. Um, this, uh, this, the under no pressure part is what stuck out to me. And, um, you, you know, I've had this experience of, of both sponsoring and being sponsored. And it occurs to me that you know, as, as a sponsor or, or in any conversation with a fellow, you know, I'm just a tour guide. I'm a flashlight. And I, I have to embrace loving detachment because this word pressure implies that, that I'm attached to an outcome for that other person, which implies I think I know the path for that person. And that's me playing God. And and it happens so automatically in my mind to judge or want to jump in and give advice. But I have to remember, I only know the path that I took to God. I, I'm like a poor man's Google Maps. You know, I only have one route to get there, one set of directions. And the path I took is not everyone's path. And if I think I know what's good for another person, that's me playing God. And I'm not remotely qualified for that. I can't tell anyone what they should do. I, I can only tell them what I did or am doing. And, and um, you know, I've had this, I'll say, you know, real love carries no attachment to outcomes. Real love is unconditional love. And putting any pressure on, you know, a sponsor or a fellow to do what I think they should do implies that my love for that person is conditional. And, you know, I've had an, some amazing intense experiences of really feeling unconditional love from people in this program, which when you I feel it, it just time. rocks you. Yeah, I'll pass. 
Thanks for thanks for this time. Thank you so much, Erin Kay from Michigan, taking us out. Uh, thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to Team Tuesday for your service. Please join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. To share ID for today, July 4th, 2023, is 20,409-20409. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Rachel P. please read a vision for you? Go ahead, Rachel. Good morning. This is Rachel P. Recovered Compulsory in Pennsylvania. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is so sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.